Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Talking Wealth, the show where the wealth within team are on hand to teach you how to become a more confident, competent, and more importantly, profitable trader or investor. Wealth Within was voted number three for stock market podcast globally in 2018, so I hope you enjoy listening. This episode is a recording of our live YouTube weekly stock market show. Every Tuesday night, Dale and Janine stream live on YouTube from 7 to 8pm to answer your most burning questions, as well as analyse stock for our viewers. To watch the show, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Stock Market Show under the Learning Centre. As a global leader in stock market education, you can fast track your journey towards financial freedom by studying with Wealth Within. Please note that the information in this podcast should not be considered personal financial advice. Good evening and welcome to Wealth Within Live, the Australian stock market show where you ask the questions and we give you the answers about all things investing and trading. We hope you had a great Australia Day long weekend and are ready for another great stock market show. Tonight, we are going to explore with you how much is your trading costing you? Or another way of saying it is how to make more money in less time. Now, as always, we will look at what is currently happening on the Australian stock market, give you our thoughts, answer your most burning questions, look at the stocks that you're interested in and give you our expert opinion and a whole lot more. Hello, I'm Janine Cox, Senior Analyst here at Wealth Within, and joining me tonight is Dale Gillam, our Chief Analyst, and we're Australia's, Australia's most trusted stock market educators. Hello, Dale. How are you? <laughs> I'm great. So, um, I, look, I'm happy for you to keep going with the whole show without me. You're doing so well now. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> for those of you who are not familiar with this show, Dale has actually handed control over to me for the last two weeks. So. I've been very fortunate to have this little button right here. You are. You're the, the, you're, the, you're the queen of the show and you get to, do what, you get to determine what we're going to do all the time. I'm armed and dangerous, isn't it? Very dangerous, guys. <laughs> very dangerous. It's a, it's a bit scary when you lose control. So, but so you had a good weekend? I had a super busy weekend. It's like I had, it was like Club Med at my place, you know, everybody coming around. You know, I had barbecues, I had three people staying, I had all weekend I didn't get any was it open house was it I plus I had to clean the pool you know (laughs) the the, 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 we had uh, in 10 days we had massive hailstorm like massive hailstorm and right on time next to my windows was about that might widen about that deep of hail Mm. and then we got winds lots of rain and then we get a whole dump of dust in the pool with red stuff all over everything enough to make a man cry isn't it and it was (laughs) and I'm trying to high pressure spray everything I was working my armpits off a weekend Okay. <laughs> it still looks terrible. Fantastic. It's lucky the pool boy came around to clean my pool. Because <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was exhausted. All right. So I had a holiday? No. Okay. <laughs> Look, I think it's going to be a bit more exciting talking about the stock market tonight, don't you? I know. The market was down one point something percent today. The US market was down as well uh, for Monday. So it be interesting chat tonight and uh, where the markets are heading and what we're doing. Mm. So if you have a burning question for us, this is the next part of the show, um, on the right of your screen is the chat box, so put your questions there. Also, a big hi to anyone new to the show. It's great to have you with us. We're looking forward to helping you on your trading journey. And moving on, as it is the fourth Tuesday in the month, that means we take a look at world currency markets. It's been a bit of action happening there, so how about we bring up our charting software and get into discussing these now? You keep laughing. What are you laughing at? I'm not telling any (laughs) jokes yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Um, looking at the, the screen there, you can see we've got Australian and New Zealand dollar at the top of the, the group there. Now, I'm just looking at the, these, this is the lowest mover. So uh, we're looking at the, the negative 0.03 there for New, Australian New Zealand dollar versus sick, it? Australian dollar versus the Chinese renminbi at minus four. Yeah, so it's all down. It's all red at the moment. Uh, which is not too good for our currency at the moment at all. Um, so looking at the Aussie dollar euro, that's around 2%. We're coming down, off, actually the British pound one's an interesting one. That's also down around 2%. But look at the Aussie dollar versus the US dollar, almost 4% down. Mm-hmm. So 
interesting move there. I hope you're not planning any trip um, to America anytime soon. Yeah, I am. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, we're selling books in America and other things, so it's gone I'm, crazy. I'm, hopefully, I'm making. I've got uh, there's money for my publisher in the US, so I figured they owe me money. Okay. So <laughs> good. They owe me money in US dollars, so it's uh, it's good. It's going to pay for a few things. Fantastic. All right, looking at Australian dollar, Hong Kong dollar there, you can see that's down 3.8%. And as I said, the Chinese renminbi is down the most there. So a bit of a spread there. That's for the month. Let's have a look at what the year shows us so far. It's the same thing. Oh, it's okay, of course, it's, it's January. <laughs> what about the week? It's been a long month, hasn't it? And Australian dollar, New Zealand dollar, okay, flat for the week. And looking at the rest of the spread there, it's been some of the biggest moves actually in the last week. Yeah, between, I'd like to understand like with all the fires, we've mm. had a lot of cancellations in the tourism industry, Yeah, you know, from overseas. Because, I mean, people planning a trip to Australia, you know, and you're planning to go to somewhere where the fires are, you, well, you're not coming, are you? You're no. really not. And so maybe maybe the drop in the Aussie dollar against all these currencies is against... Is a bit on that. Is a bit on that. But, mm. is, it, but is it also a, um, a bit of a bet on whether um, we drop interest rates? I think it's in, a combination yeah, of all in, that. In mm. February, because obviously the next RBA meeting is in a week, mm-hmm. roughly, next week. Yeah. Next uh, week, yeah. What's It'll the date? Today. Yes, 24th. Yeah, yes. so it'll be next or, week, the yeah. RBA will meet, and we'll see if we get an interest rate drop here. Mm-hmm. And if that happens, obviously, you'd expect the Aussie dollar to drop against other major currencies mm. at this point in time. So it be interesting to see whether they're finding a little bit of support. But how about we have a look at the Aussie US dollar chart, and then we'll look at the euro and the pound um, while we've got it, because you can see here on the right-hand side of the screen is the is the weekly chart, and you can see it's been the last three, four weeks down. I mean, the current bar is the last couple of days, so it's had a reasonable fall already this week. Yeah, uh, so basically me. all the moves that it made over the previous month into mm. this high here, early January have been wiped out, but not only that, it's actually taken out this low in, mm. in November, which is a bit of a concern. Yeah, so it's getting down to sort of um, on the US Aussie dollar. We want to bring up the monthly chart quickly, and so we can see the whole chart. I'm glad you said that actually, because we should be sticking to that first, yeah. shouldn't we? So Teaching we sc- good habits here. So you can <laughs> see where it is right now. If you draw a straight line right across that chart from where it is now, you can see that area is pretty pretty special for the Aussie US dollar in terms of a lot of support. It doesn't often trade below that level. Mm. And so to me, this could be, you know, it, maybe it might bottom out, maybe it'll go a bit lower, but I wouldn't suggest it probably go too much lower. Look, we said a long time ago when the, the dollar was coming down here mm. in 2016 that we thought there was a potential mm. for it to head down mm. to around 60 cents. So it very well could end up doing that. So what we're saying right to people is don't travel right now. <laughs> Let's have a look at the British pound or the uh, or the euro. So what's that one? The Chinese renminbi. Oh, that's renminbi. the Chinese renminbi. So yeah. what, do you want to look at the euro first? Yeah, we'll have a quick look at the euro first. So this is the Aussie dollar euro. And look at it, it's more more sideways, even though it's down oh, yeah. currently or this month it's down, but it's a little bit more sideways. But again, that same sort of support level right across here at that same mm. sorts of level. So it'd be interesting to see what the RBA does next week. Actually, um, this is a telltale sign. There is a bit of support there, mm. I can see. So there's still a potential for it to go up from this. It mm. just depends on what it does in the next month or so. It is, it is. And the British pound. So the yeah. Aussie British pound, which is uh, the next one, the I next think. The next one after oh, that, I think. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. Look, that looks interesting. Again, this huge consolidation that we've seen more recently. So I'll just bring up the whole history, if we can see that on the chart there. You can see there on the left-hand side, you were talking about important levels mm. before. Well, it hasn't even come close. Close to it, yeah. You know, it's actually broken an important level just pre- recently, and now we could see it start to head back down to these sort of levels if it keeps going. Okay, so if you're thinking about visiting the Queen, probably stay away. <laughs> say maybe next year, Queen. Okay. Um, that's what I'd be looking at. But right now, as I said, it's, it does look like um, there's some reason why they're falling, and it mm. possibly could be the fires. Um, it could be a few different areas, but right now I don't think we'll be. Once the RBA meet, meets next week, we'll know a little bit more. Maybe that's this is the expectation of, of a rate cut. So if that happens, uh, then I wouldn't expect too much more of a fall after the rate cut. I'd expect it to find a bit of support along mm. a lot of currencies and then hopefully take up from there. But uh, if you if you like buying stuff overseas, it's just going to get more expensive at the moment. So that's really what it's about. But buy if, it's good made. for our exports. Yeah. Well, I buy Australian made all the I time. I do wherever I can find. 
it. Yeah. Yeah, I'd rather pay a little bit more for an Aussie. Yeah, made the concerning product. thing is that the supermarkets are more and more going to their own brand, and mm. so you won't be able to tell what's what. But I want the choice. Uh, I don't go to the supermarkets mm. much anymore. I shop locally with all the local ones. Good for you. Yeah. Well, to me, support the local people. That's what I'm about. Well, I'm also supporting the, you know, the big supermarkets mm. that are listed on the Australian Exchange. Good. There you go. Okay, well, that brings us to the time when we look at some of our emails with the first email from Peter who asks, Hi, Dale and Janine. Enjoying the show. Interested in your comments on MYS approaching its all-time high. And that's Peter from Devonport. No, it's his surname, Devonport. Is it? I thought you were putting Peter J. Devonport. Oh, no, it is. It is, actually. Yeah, you're right. Is it? I I have to say that you're right. That's a bit concerning, isn't it? You're in control. You're the controller. (laughs) Maybe he's from Devonport, which is a very nice place to be. It's gorgeous, actually. All right. So did you load these ones up? You have. Oh, you're so efficient, aren't you? All right. Look at this. um, My State Limited is MYS. Now, Mm. that actually looks really healthy right now. I would have been doubtful about it when it was coming back into this territory in April, but the reversal that we've seen here and a push back up above important uh, resistance across here, and it's just continued to rise. So looks really nice there. Um, I would say that you've got a really good um, good stock at the moment there. If it keeps going up, it could mm. actually head closer towards the $6 mark and in the short term. Following that, we, we'd be watching it closely because it might come back mm. and try to find support off that pr- those previous tops. Mm. So looking nice there for, for MTS. Um, we've got another question there, actually, Dale. Yeah, this one's from, or well, the next one we've got from somebody called Marco, who asks, hi, Dale and Janine. Um, I bought JB Hi-Fi in 2010 for around $18 and enjoyed owning the stock over that time. And the last 12 months, um, it has been uh, appreciating almost 100%, so that's pretty good. And looking at the chart, it's still in an upward trend. I would appreciate both your comments on where to from here. Mm. Regards, Marco. All right. Interesting stock, JBH. Now, it has actually just stunningly gone on. And so if you were holding this, you'd still be holding it. You wouldn't be looking to sell it. it. But it's got a nice trend up there. So you could actually have something, a trend line up underneath all of that. And I think it would protect it quite nicely. I wouldn't wouldn't be worried about it, Marco. It'd really be a great, uh, great purchase from your point of view. Now, obviously, if you had it since 2000 and you bought it at the wrong time. Um, so let's just have a look at where that was because he's actually ridden all the ups and downs. Correct. So I was having a conversation with someone today about it. If, if I'd only just held the stock, you know, I'd still have a really nice profit on it. Mm. But then look at all this time that's gone where the stock's done nothing. So 2010 to two, that's eight years it would have made not, of not making nothing mm. except maybe some dividends off it, which is nothing really. Um, so it's only really been in the last, what, six to eight months or year. But But this is a really good example of why we say our topic for tonight is. Mm. It's because this is what's costing you lots of money is hanging on to a stock like this for that period of time because you're just collecting dividends. Mm. When in that last, you know, that last eight years, you could have been in a lot of stocks and, you know, like CSL, in like Cochlear, like ResMed, like A2 Milk, like Bellamy's and a Mm. truckload of others you could have been in doubling your money or tripling your money in that time. Whereas what you've done is hold on to a stock for all these ups and downs and it's cost you opportunity by not being in other stocks. Yes, you've made money this 12 months or the last two couple of years, but it's all happened in the last 12 months roughly. It has, so, yeah. And that's when you want to own but the stock. But this is a really good up. trading stock. It is. You know, look at how it trends. It's not a the, monthly, the monthly chart shows you mm. if it has nice trends around mm. about 12 months or more, mm. Um, which it tends to do, 8 to 12 months, mm. then it's it's going to be good to be able to trade it and make some good gains mm. out of it. So hang on now. There's a stop loss underneath it and just ride it while it's going up. Um, now we've got a question from Jonah who asks, Hi, Dale and Janine. Thank you for your weekly videos. Reading your book at the moment. Ooh. Good for you. And I finally started investing late last year. Always been interested in the markets. Have you got any advice on managing a startup small portfolio in regards to the percentage of any given stock? Stop losses on the stocks. And in your book, you advise not to lose more than 2% of your trading capital. Starting out with small positions, those triggers seem a bit tight. Should I keep building up my portfolio before I worry too much? Oh, this is a big one. (laughs) My goal in the coming 12 months, is there anything else, is to have 10,000 or 15,000 portfolio consisting of mid to long-term positions with 10% low cap. 
thank you for your time. Well, got the numbers right in terms of the breakdown, not yeah. having more than 10% in risky assets. Um, so that's yeah. positive from that point of view. Yeah, but I mean, all of that's answered in my book. Mm, all true. of that's actually answered in my book. So yeah, I actually say in the book, if you're only starting off with $1,000 positions, you're going to break your 2% rule with the stop loss. So that's okay because it's only $1,000 you've got or $2,000. It's not until you get up around about that sort of eight to $10,000 does that 2% rule really start to take more importance or you can use it properly with you know a 10 or 15% stop loss. So just you're knowingly breaking one of those rules, but it's, uh, I won't say it's the least important rule, but the, the importance is, is getting into stocks and balancing out your position sizing as we talk about. Now, is about. that because you're talking about having, say, with, say if they've mm -hmm. got $10,000 in your book, you talk about um, starting out small. You, mm -hmm. If you've only got 5000 you you sometimes talk about having $1,000 positions. Yes. So therefore, when you're setting the stop loss, if you're still using the 15%, that's where you're going to break you're the gonna, rule. You're going to break the rule. But if you're doing more medium size, um, say they've got, say, maybe... 10,000 or more or 5 to 10,000 mm. preferably 10 or more then what you're talking about is ideally starting with slightly bigger positions possibly four yes. that's what you talk about in your book yep um, and therefore you 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 can better manage that overall risk to your portfolio because of the percentage so people need yeah. to do their own numbers and, and have a play with that and see what yeah, works you do because at the end of the day if you risk 2% of your portfolio you've got to be wrong a hell of a lot of times to lose all your money and mm. that's really what we're talking about is position sizing because I don't know how many times you or me have checked a portfolio for somebody or somebody's transferred it to us to start managing mm. and their position sizing is all SHIT yeah. and it's constant mm. because people have large positions in the wrong stocks and small positions in the right stocks and it's just all over the place. So, yeah. um, But it's balancing out that right. But have a read of the book again around this because it really will clear that all up for yeah, you. Yeah, there's some really good stuff in there. some really good mm. stuff in there. But uh, I think it's time for our next question, isn't it? All right. Well, no, um, so you're in charge and you're in charge. But next we have <laughs> an email from Fawzia who says, really enjoyed your show. Thank you very much. Um, would like your opinion on CGC as I'm looking to buy. It looks to be trending up. Do you think the upward trend is going to continue. That's Costa Group. Mm. And I know I did a, a thing on Costa Group uh, late last year. I did a, an article on Costa Group for actually for the Geelong Advertiser. Yeah, did you, you followed it, didn't you, when there was that takeover? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so it's a bit of a shame, really, that, that, that okay, the takeover got announced it fell through well, Costa and then Group's the share price fell away like it did. Yeah, Costa's had a lot of issues, obviously. It's they 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 involved in a lot of farms and obviously it's fruit and produce and everything else and so mm. with a big long drought it's going to struggle yeah because it's not getting the quality of fruit and vegetables so there's lots of stuff there there's also mm. a lot of issues around supply that sort of issues but there's been a long period of time the last four or five years doing lots of acquisitions they've now expanded into getting some um, farms and things like that in China. So they're expanding that sort of oh, area. Oh, great. So you're saying our companies are actually going over yes. there because normally you hear it's the other way around. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I'm a Geelong boy, so Costas to me is very mm. close to my heart because, you know, that's where we got our fruit and veggies from in Geelong, yeah. you know. Um, you know, and I lived, I lived 10 minutes away from Frank Costas' house, who's the founder, mm. right? I used to ride my bike past their house all the time. Okay. So everybody knows who they are. Yeah, so you're quite passionate about them. Well, not well, yeah, because um, they kept me alive, didn't it, the fruit mm. and veggies. But the thing is, is is this thing going up right now? And you can't say this is in an uptrend right now. It's just impossible to say it. Yeah. Whilst it looks better, there's tons of spots on that chart where it's risen for two, three, four weeks or two, three, four months and then fallen over. So looking to buy right now is high risk unless you're highly skilled. And that's really the provision. Unless you're highly skilled, you're going to get it wrong. And a lot of people thought AMP was rising so many times oh, yeah. only for it to fall away. Mm. You know, And that's really where you don't want to catch a falling knife because the stocks will fall to a point and then they'll rise up a little bit and then they fall to another point and then they'll rise up a little bit and they'll fall to another point. So unless you know what that is. because the big money is buying and selling all the time. Mm. Mm. Long term, I think this stock is great, but the drought needs to break and a few other things need to yeah. happen. You know, it's ra it raised money not Look, too long Look, it could ago. actually be, a, really looking at where it is now, mm. this could be a turning point for it. It could mm. be, but we don't know. Yes. And that's really what I'm mm. saying. High risk now, so just Now it's interesting, isn't it? Because you, you're quite passionate about the company because mm. you've known them, mm. but you wouldn't necessarily buy them just because of that whereas you know we, we talk to parents about possibly per, you know getting their kids involved mm. in the share market and encouraging them to look at shares that they, they yes. might know but that's one thing another side of what parents need to know is to be able to tell them what is okay to put the money in isn't it like oh, what's yeah. risky and what's not 
Yeah, I mm. mean, I don't give a, a um, I was going to say a rude word. Um, I don't, don't I don't. I don't care. <laughs> I'm not allowed to say rude words. My wife yells at me. Um, I stopped I don't, you. I don't, you care. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care what the stock's called. I really don't care as long as I'm making money. And if I'm losing money, I'm out. If I'm if making money, I'm in. So I don't care who manages it, who owns it, whether it was my mother or my brother or somebody else. If I'm not making money, I'm not in it. And that's really how dispassionate Janine and I are. That's we just how don't you need care. to be. So yeah. as a even as a parent guiding your children oh. as to what to buy. Okay, they love mm. Maya, but hey, there was a long time when Maya was <sighs> terrible, so don't even look there. Yeah. But anyway, mm. now I think it's time that we get into the chat and oh, handle okay. some of the questions, put shall my glasses we? On. This is the juicy part of the show. <laughs> We've <laughs> got um, uh, SAR for Brad, so you bring that up and I'll have a look at the chat because I haven't had a chance to look at it yet. Um, Brad saying, Hi, Dale and Janine, started the diploma course today. Oh, well done, matey. Um, interested to hear your thoughts on Saracen Minerals, SAR. Purchased at $2.99 in December and seems to be in a nice uptrend. Thanks, um, Brad. So therefore, let's have a quick look at Saracen. Okay, so in December, the stock actually was coming off that low. So let's have a look here on the weekly. We can see it on the monthly. It'll be right in that low point there. And now we're looking down here. So in December, towards the end of December, it started to come up, but I still don't see um, a buy rule there for um, you to trade it. Now, obviously, the you could have something that I'm not familiar with there, but if you're looking at the weekly chart for a rule, there isn't one there yet. So um, this is where you've got to be really cautious with a stock like this, especially given this big run up and it's had a massive, what we call a reversal, pulled back, traded down for a number of months and is now looking better. Um, but I've seen stocks that start to push up like this towards the end of the month and the following month they reverse. So I'm not saying that Sarsarin's going to do that because long term it looks like you know it should continue to follow the overall angle of the trend. However, I'd just say to you if you're looking to buy stocks, make sure you've got some really good rules to manage your risk. And, and that's really all I want the message to be about this Sarsarin Minerals. Dale, have you got another one for us? Um, I've got a couple of questions that we've got here, so I'll just read them out. One's from the Drunk Ninja. Okay. G'day, matey. How you doing? It's good to see you back on again. Um, he's actually asking, how would I go about assessing what ASX stocks to buy that are not the top 50? Right. That's a big question. That is a good question. I mean, I guess the, the first question I would ask you is, what is your portfolio designed to do? What portfolio are you running? So if you've had a portfolio and you're, you said that the, the whole strategy was to buy and sell top 50 stocks, then you wouldn't be looking outside the top 50 for a start. But if you, if your portfolio was a top 100 portfolio or, mm. or a mid cap portfolio, then you could do, you could look outside of that. But a really quick way for people to do that is to actually go and um, look for a list of the ASX um, 100 shares. And then you can just, um, set it up by market capitalization or look for the mid cap 50 list. Mm. I didn't why mm. why outside the top 50 because really there's so many stocks in the 50 isn't yeah, there that are really me, good. You'd be you'd not it's unwise not to have a portfolio with top 50 stocks in it. Uh, and like the other person mm. on the other email was saying, you know, 10% into smaller caps. So there's a balance out there. Is you, Janine and I will never, ever, ever construct a portfolio without top 50 stocks. And I'll say that again. We will never, ever construct a portfolio without top 50 stocks in it. It will have a good spread of those in it and then might have stocks outside the top 100 in it or between 50 and 100. But we don't, it's we, rare for us to go outside the top 100. There are so many good Australian stocks there is. in the top 50. In the 20, we had a period there where all the banks mm. were going down and the financials mm. were had a big question mark mm. on them. But there's always something to find outside the 20 as well oh, if the 20 are not yeah. performing. But most of the time, the interesting thing is if you mm. look at those indices, mm. they tend to track each other reasonably closely anyway. It's mm. only that you might see for maybe a couple of weeks that you'll mm. get a bit of a difference for a couple of months that they'll, they'll move outside of the, you know, the tracking each okay. other. But yeah, I just think that that's important. Good, oh, it good, is. good that you asked why. Well, mm. it is. I always ask why, why this, why that, because mm. I need to know the thinking behind it, because sometimes our answers will change depending on the thinking behind the question. Yeah, okay. Um, from that. So let's get another, another we've question got time here. For we've, another? Got, okay. we've got Jacob. Where's Jacob? He's got his somewhere. Jacob Watson saying, Hi, darling, Janine. Thanks heaps for both of you for the educational show. Are advice brokers better because you can set a proper stop loss with them? Mm, interesting question. Oh, what's a proper stop loss? I don't know. Maybe the guarantee, he means a guaranteed stop loss. 
But you can well, do possibly because anyway. advice brokers or non-advice brokers, it's irrelevant. It's a stop loss that you're setting. So there's different ways of setting stop losses. Sometimes if you have an advice broker, they, that means somebody you talk to to get advice from, you're generally paying higher fees and you might say to them, um, get me out at this price. Now they'll do it on what they call the best endeavor, which means that if the stock hits to that point, it might come up with an alert on their screen and then they'll sell it as soon as they can, but you may not get that price. If you want a guaranteed exit at a guaranteed price, then you pay more for it. But it's exactly the same on an online broker. If you say the stock, you know, stock you've got now is at you know, $10.20 and you want to sell at $10 if it falls to that point, it's still best endeavors, regardless of whether you've got somebody on the phone or you put it online. Um, and if you do want a guaranteed stop loss that you'll get out at 10, then again, you're going to have to pay more money for it. So to me, it's mm. six for one and a half to dozen the other. But Well, maybe some people like to pay more for the comfort of it. Well, that's the thing is, to me, the advice broker is somebody, you're dealing with somebody knowledgeable. And the second thing is you have to put your brain in gear to talk to them, mm. whereas you don't with an online platform. And this is the danger of online platforms. People just type on little keyboards and go, oh, I'm a genius trader now. Whereas if I pick up the phone and talk to a broker, I actually have to sound intelligent. Well, there are some great brokers out there, but there are some, some not so great. Brokers. So how do you know what you've got? Correct. But there are some really good brokers out there. So, But All that's right. another good question. Very good question. Now it's time to get into our subject for tonight. Now, tonight we're going to explore with you how much is your trading costing you? Now, I know we all want to make more money in less time. Mm -hmm. However, what we find is that the majority trading the market make less money in more time. Now, everything boils down to your attitude towards your trading and indeed your investing as mm -hmm. well. Now, what we find is that the majority act in a way that causes them to waste time and waste money. In short, their attitude or their psychology is one where they are trading to not lose. When you trade to invest to not lose, you're in fact getting exactly what you do not want and that's more losing. That's interesting, isn't it? Mm. And it's exactly right. That when you trade to not lose, your decisions are all based around either not spending money to get the right education you need to make money. And so you spend more time and energy focusing on the wrong things. Indeed, when you trade to not lose, you also follow the herd in that you do what everyone else is doing. And so you get exactly the same results as everyone else. Now, we often find people chasing the latest Fed in the market, such as cryptocurrencies or FX or binary options or the list goes on, only to find they lose money or keep spinning their wheels and getting nowhere. Rather than hear about this from us, we thought that we would share with you an email we received just the other day. And this email is pretty similar to those that we see on a regular basis that come through. And we've edited it down a little so because it was pretty long. <laughs> but the message that you will receive and is loud and clear. Now I'll get Dale to read it for you. Now the email is from a gentleman named Paul and he just sent it through the other day as we said and currently he's not a student of ours uh, but he mentions he will start our diploma today. So hopefully you're watching Paul if you're great. Thanks, well done and, and thanks for joining us. Now Paul starts his email. Hello Dale and Janine. I understand you're both very busy but I thought I'd drop you a note as I commence the Diploma of Share Trading and Investment course on Tuesday the 28th. Um, and he says I'm and in I can't say the word. Incredibly. And I am incredibly, it's too many things in the one bit. I am incredibly excited about what I'll learn in the 12 months ahead and wanted to share why. And this is really interesting to me. He said, my partner and I started our self-managed super funds three years ago. And like most people, we did this to allow us to have more direct control over what we did with our super. Now, as you know, there is an incredible amount of information at one's disposals these days, these days and potential for information overload totally agree. Now what I found was that out of all the information out there, what you and Janine said resonated me the most. Um, and he said, this is because in reviewing my own situation, I realized I've done many of the things that you've said not to do, which has led to a significant missed opportunity to maximize our returns. Now, mm. he says, in fact, in hindsight, I'm happy to acknowledge I've actually done many dumb things but believe this has been a valuable learning experience and will no doubt be better for it. Although this has been a hard pill to swallow. Mm. Uh, I totally understand where you're coming from there. Um, it also, I also appreciated the no nonsense and straight talking in which you delivered the message. So thanks mate, uh, uh, very much matey. Um, the past few months listening and reading has helped me incredibly already in evaluating my own performance and behaviors. In fact, I felt that I am the subject of the book of all things not to do in share trading. 
Now my main takeout from this so far has been, it is about my behavior, removing emotions and laying down solid rules. While I've made some good decisions over the last three years, I still hold some stocks and other profitable short-term trades. This has for the most part only offset the losses, missed opportunities and frustrations I have experienced. These include the difficulty of having an initial portfolio of 25 stocks, way mm -hmm. too many, buying A2 milk at $2 and selling shortly after $2.40, thinking I made a good 20%. Loss of opportunity in this alone is conservatively being over $80,000. Buying CSL at 100 and selling at $120, another lost opportunity of $40,000. Buying stocks and watching them decline as much as 95% to see my investment worthless. Buying small cap mining stocks and then, then chasing them down. I've caught so many falling knives, I ended up running out of fingers. Listening to mates and purchasing stocks without even researching them. Some did well, but I mostly have lost out. Gambling on stocks when I've never gambled on anything at all in my life. Mm. Now he goes, Dale, as I mentioned, I've taken some personal and other stuff. Oh, sorry, as, as I mentioned, I've taken some personal and other stuff out of the email to shorten it. Um, but I really do think you get the picture. Now, Paul has spent three years trying to trade and has realized that the path that he was taking was long was the long hard road. Now, doing this meant his trading process cost him a small fortune in losses and lost opportunities. And he was making less money and spending more time than he needed to doing so. Now, what a great email, so honest, and he's not alone as this is so much like other emails that we've received over time and time again. So thank you for sharing. But now what can we all take away from this? That's really the question, isn't well, it? Well, it is, isn't it? What we think is faster, better, cheaper, is often less effective, slower, and more expensive. Being a successful trader is not just about attempting to pick winning stocks. It's about having a solid and effective process. And I really hope that we've been able to get that message across through every show that we put on. And this is the real value of gaining a great education. Now the process Paul took was not effective and he's realized in hindsight that what he did actually hindered his success. So let's break this down a little, shall we? Paul's obviously intelligent and quite capable as are most, if not all the people who come to us. The issue though is a, a one of having a false sense of reality. Now what I mean by this is that Paul being intelligent possibly thought like many that making money from the market is easy and anyone can do it. The reality is that it is and anyone can do it if you have the know-how and you apply it consistently. But Paul did not know how and he went down a path of trial and error whilst he does not say in his email like many he may have watched YouTube videos and read some books in the hope of understanding how to profit from the market. Now let's face it, people intuitively believe that they can pick stocks. That's just something they think they can do. Mm. But most people don't think they're going to lose either. But also yeah. most people rule, are ruled by the emotions of greed or fear, which really does cloud their judgment. Mm. Um, they also distill trading down to just buying and selling. And because both actions are easy to do through your broker or just typing on the keyboard, they see trading as really easy. But trading is so much more than just buying and selling, as Paul has realised and he shared with us in his email. Correct. As this email suggests, he made money on some trades, but sold way too early and so cost himself tens of thousands in lost profit or opportunity to profit easily. Now, as it stands to reason as to how can you pick stocks, that are right for you when you have very little or no knowledge as to how to do it and the process it takes to ensure you are profitable. The key is to not only know what to buy, but when to buy and when to sell. Here it seems most do not know what to do. He also talks about making mistakes like buying the wrong stocks on tips without proper research, buying small cap stocks and chasing them as they fall and gambling on stocks. Has anyone done that out there? All of these actions will increase the time you spend on the market and dramatically reduce your profitability. Let me ask you a question. How much is your trading costing you? Let me suggest that the majority of you watching will not know the answer. Also let me suggest that in my experience mentoring traders it is generally a significant amount. So how do you make more money in less time? Well first and foremost you need to change your thinking. From one of those of trading to not lose to one of trading to win, and in doing so you'll make the decisions profitable traders make. 
In essence, you need to learn how to trade to win. And that means gaining the knowledge of not only how to find stocks, but how to manage your trades properly. If, if it, it means having a solid structure and a solid process to analyze to your analysis and your trading. Now, whilst we can't go into detail in here how to do all of that, I will say that your trading education will cost you one way mm. or another. Either will cost you like Paul in lost time and lost opportunity and lost capital, or it will cost you an undertaking of profit course like ours. What Paul's email shows is that the trial and error method of learning to trade is longer, slower, and far more costly. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Now, Dale, we have some exciting uh, news to share with everyone. Oh, yeah. That the government surveys graduates of education courses, accredited courses, um, well, there is no accredited course like ours, but accredited courses, and we were sent the results from the surveys. Now, I know we regularly get asked about our success rate with students, and this is what the survey shows. So, did you want to get into this now, or did you want to talk something more about what we mentioned with no. Paul? You no, we'll talk, we talk about this now, and then we'll talk a bit more about okay. Paul as well, because it sort of all relates anyway. Mm. So, um, just with the survey, it's 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 done by the government, mm. so it's a government body um, with the government uh, in terms of it's the National Centre for Vocational Education uh, Research, or NSEVA. It's a real tough one to say that one. <laughs> it's a um, one. So the government has this independent research; they do it all um, on all. Um, accredited courses so that they know the effectiveness of it. Now the results of this government survey were that 92.4% of our students were employed or enrolled in further study after training and that 89.5% were satisfied with the overall quality of their training with us. Yeah, it's really high and 93.1% would recommend the training, 93.1% also would recommend the trading provider whilst 81.7 achieved their main reason for doing the training. Mm. Mm. Now, you'd have to admit these are pretty impressive results. Now, what these results say to you, if you're wanting to be a great trader, so you can make more money in less time, and as you're considering, and if you're considering our diploma course, it's that you'll get what you desire, as our education is of an exceptionally high quality. Now, as I said before, everything comes down towards your, uh, your attitude towards trading and investing. Um, so if you're trading to not lose, then expect the road to be long and very costly, as Paul has shown us um, that's happened to him over the last three years. However, if you wish your trading to cost you less and to make more money in less time, then decide to undertake our course, because it really is the short way to get the money that you like and trading properly in less time and making far more money. Now, you know, Dale, I think it's smart. If anyone is interested in the results and would like to know more, then give our team a call tomorrow and just have a chat about it. And it's really interesting to find out more. Mm. So, um, totally agree. Yeah. yeah. But before they do, you need to like the show and subscribe. Remember that button down there, whatever it is, just hit the, the subscribe button because we like to have more people watching our show. Now, to me, it's, it's really important that you have a think about what Paul actually said because mm. as Janine and I said, I don't know how many emails like that I've read. It's yeah. been hundreds and hundreds of that. Mm. You know, and Paul said three years. I've had people with five years, seven years, and ten. even over 10 years mm. or more saying exactly the same thing. And so it really does pay to quantify what your lack of knowledge and education and skill and how much that's costing you, not, in, not just in terms of not making enough money, but all the opportunity you lose and all the time. And if I find a lot of people, if I add up, say, well, add up how much time you watch videos and read books and everything else, um, and then divide your hourly rate into that, and it's costing them mm. four or five times what our course costs them, and they're nowhere near the level of what our students are. Yeah. So what was interesting is when, we, when we were running the, the live workshops, we actually mm. had a chart where they would fill it out and tell us where they thought they were at at the start of the weekend. Mm. What was interesting to me is when I moved from the group that were just starting out on the diploma to the ones that were more advanced, it was they were so much clearer about where they were mm. when they were in modules like four and five compared mm. to just starting module one mm. because they really didn't understand that that journey from start to finish and where they even were mm. Mm. So, so basically what we're saying is change your thinking because most of you without being rude are trained trading to not lose or going down the process with the idea of not losing which is the very start which is the very, the very start. process isn't it and that's why most yeah. people go down the wrong path so mm. change your attitude to one of abundance and trading to win
Uh, now, Dan, I think it's time that we get into the chat. This is the juicy part oh, again. Cool. Let's right. get into looking so let's at get stocks, back into shall the we? Chat. Um, David Murphy says, hi, darling, Janine. Difficult question. Will the coronavirus cause much damage to the market? Too many coronas cause a lot of damage to my liver, liver matey. <laughs> I knew that one was coming. <laughs> I'm not sure they're going to do much damage to the market. No. We shouldn't laugh about this, actually. It's a very serious thing. Well, it is a serious virus, but it's got nothing to do with the market. Yeah, look, they're all postulating yeah. about what it's going to yeah. do, though, isn't it? So you Anything can't blame could justify people the market asking. going up and down. So um, Barry says, happy for joining us. Happy for belated Australia Day. Um, Thank you. Where's the next question? Um, CETA. Where's that one? I'm trying to find okay. where that one is. I haven't had much time to look at this at the moment. So okay, we've got to stop. Patriot One says CKF. CKF? Yeah. He says, hi, Dale and Janine. Great to see you both again. Would you kindly shed some light on CKF and its future potentials, please? Okay. Now, have I got the right one here? It's Collins Foods, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I think yeah. I did that last CKF. week too on my okay. report. Interesting. Okay, maybe they're following you because yesterday as well, did you do it? Yeah, I think so. Okay, so we're looking at this um, stock. Nice trends. See, so far it hasn't had a major correction. This is one of the stocks that I talked about. Well, it's the type of stock I talked about previously. Um, and you don't know where it is overall in its big picture sense, but at the moment it's on a nice trend up long term with a few months down so far. So it could be slowing down a little bit because look at the history of it. Hardly has it spent any time falling when it does, maybe three or four months down and then it turns and goes back up. But that doesn't mean that you would get in and buy it once it actually starts going up. You need a solid rule to be able to, to purchase it. And let's just have a look more shorter term. At the moment, some overhead resistance there at about 9.41. Um, if it trades back below the recent low, then I think it's got a, f a bit further to go on the downside. But, you know, in the short term, it may stabilise there with a bit of support. So not one I'd be looking to purchase right now. It'd have to show a lot of um, strength before I'd be interested in this one. So Collins Foods, um, you know, I'm not a huge fan at the moment. Next. Um, TCL for Matt. Okay, fantastic. Matt is asking if I go back to Nice Matt. stock. Transurban, big company. Uh, looking at recent price action, it's been sideways for quite a while. Looking at this um, movement here, we've seen since June 2019, it hasn't really done much. Only this month has it really started to move up. Now, you'll notice that it's spent a long time. So get to know the personality of the stock. May 2016 all the way through to 2019. Three years doing nothing again. But this could be the start of an, the next move up, looking at the way that it's going. The only thing here is we're seeing some... He's just um, looking to buy. We're seeing some short-term... It's slowing down as it's getting towards this top. Um, I'm not really a huge fan of this stock at the moment, but if it went through the all-time high, the theory is that it could have further blue sky and upside um, but right now, it's not there yet, so I'd just still be watching this stock. If it traded back below the low, there's always the upside and the downside, then I definitely wouldn't be looking to buy it because a lot of people wait, Dale, for the price to get cheaper and then they try to pick it up. The amount of orders mm. sometimes that are in at low points in the market, and I'm just watching it, and when the price comes back to a certain point, there's a whole lot of buyers in there waiting to get it. Well, it might push the price up temporarily, but then often the stock's in a downtrend by that time. So, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. The, not that this one would be, but it'd have to go through this low there for that to happen. But that's at the good. moment, it's still looking it's good. It's still looking good, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I wouldn't be buying just yet because it's right near that all-time high, not until it goes through. Yeah. yeah. Got a question from Bob who says, hello, guys, it's on Telstra. Um, okay, he Telstra. Says, Hello, guys. Enjoying the show. Thanks, We're matey, reporting on the book. Yep. I'm thinking of getting back into Telstra. Do you like this company? Do you think Qantas will fall further now with the virus scare? Okay. Now, I think we reported on Telstra, was it last week? Um, uh, I know we've been talking about this stock quite a bit. A few um, times, haven't we? Yeah. We have a few times on the show. And I think we said at one stage that we didn't like it, but now it's actually turned around and, um, you know, Dale's called it bullish and it, look, it does look much better. Further move up above 390 will um, indicate that it's continuing the current move up. Of course, check the downside and look for where it might, if it goes through the floor, then obviously you wouldn't be looking to try to buy it cheaper. Just get in there when the smart money's moving it up in the right direction. So big institutions pick up Telstra. It's part of um, the big indexes. So they have to be holding the stock. A lot of the managed funds have to hold um, a percentage in all of the big shares. So that's Telstra. At the moment, it's it's doing okay. So have you got another one for me? Um, yeah, I've got citation. It's, uh, NIC. NIC? NIC. I'm trying to find the question, actually. Uh, okay, so is that Nickel Mines? Um, I think it was NIC. It's NIC anyway. 
Okay, NIC nickel mines, looking at the monthly chart, there's not a lot of history. Now, for those of you new to the show, if a stock hasn't got you know, three or four years of history, then usually we don't look at it because we, we like to analyse the history of the stock to determine how the future share price action is likely to unfold. And this is not going to tell you a lot. So looking at it shorter term though, you can see the volatility in the share price. There may be a little bit of illiquidity. We've also talked about how you look at um, these sideways moves and you'll notice that if the bars are trading within the same range, that usually means that it's a bit illiquid. Yeah, just asking it about is. being it was 10, down 10% 10 today. Yeah, well look, it's dropped out of bed. So he's right there. I mean, it closed at about, mm. what was it, 60 something cents last week and then opened right down. Um, often that can be on news for these small stocks. So, you know, you, you can't be buying stocks when they're falling. That's the, just the bottom line. And if you're holding a stock like this, then you need to have a solid set of rules and know uh, I wouldn't be buying this stock, one, because of the liquidity, but I wouldn't be buying it now if I was looking at it, and not until it started to move up more strongly. Well, it's from, I mean, you know from Peter's email, he caught a lot of falling knives, and some mm. people will go, oh, that's falling 10%. I'll buy it because it's cheaper. because it's cheaper now, and that's what we mean by catching mm. falling knives. And it's just so common, and, uh, and as we said, Peter's email is... Everything we say on the show, we actually mean and we know how it works because we've been doing this for over well over two decades. And yet people constantly go against what we actually say to them to do. Look, and everybody's got to learn and have their journey, so yeah, that's okay. We're just but trying I mean, to make it more comfortable. But yeah, it's true. But when, when a stock's falling like that, often it's the bigger money that's pushing it down mm. or someone who's you know trying to get rid of the share, a broker maybe just trying to offload the stock for a client. So you're actually the sucker that's coming in and helping them do that. Think of it that way. Hmm. Which is that false sense of reality I was saying mm. in, we were talking about earlier. People have this false sense of reality about the level of knowledge and skill that they have. And most people are grossly wrong. They overestimate how much knowledge and skill they have. And they grossly overestimate their knowledge of the marketplace. And it's not until they start to realise that over a period of years that they go, wow, I'm going the wrong way. So would you rather mm. pay a little bit more, like if a stock's rising, Should, yeah. than get it for a cheaper price if yeah. it's falling? I've yeah. paid 30 40 and 50% more for a stock mm. to buy it to, to make sure it's going up before I buy it. Because mm -hmm. losing 50%, if I'll put, let me ask you a question, is, is losing 10% worse than not making 10%? Which one's worse? Losing 10 Correct. Because it'll take you more than that to get but back. Most people watching mm. this show would have said not making it. Yeah. Because and the reason is, if you lose 10%, your capital remaining has to rise 11% to break even. Mm. Okay, so I've lost money. But if I don't make 10%, I just don't make 10%. I haven't lost any capital. Yeah. So that's less of a sin. But most people try and bottom pick and pick low prices only for it to see lower prices again. And so they're losing money. And that's mm. why so many people waste so much time and so much opportunity and they don't realise how much they're trading or their lack of knowledge and skill is really costing them. And I'd say mm. nine out of 10 people watching don't understand that. Um, and they're blissfully unaware of how much they're trading or why, how they trade or how they invest yeah. and how much it's actually costing them. When getting right is not hard mm. once you understand what you're doing. So let's move on to the next question. All it's right. AK's asked about PNV. And I've got to find them all over the place here today with all these. No, you're doing um, well. Okay, PNV. Um, what is it? Poly um, Movo? Is that correct? Oh, I don't know. I'm, it's, it's just PNV for me. <laughs> I think it's Poly Movo. Okay. Sorry if I pronounced that incorrectly. But looking at that, there's no apologies in terms of the direction ah, it's going question. up. It's really strong and it looks pretty fantastic at the moment. Let's have a look at the weekly chart. Yep, looks terrific. Now, the only thing with these type of stocks, it's a quality problem, isn't it? Because yeah. you, you, you're... Um, your potential level of support below is a fair way from the current price action. And so mm. there's, therein lies the risk. If it does come back, where's it going to come back to? Well, he's asking, or who, he or she, I'm not sure, AK doesn't tell me. Um, mm. They're asking, is it too late to buy now? Well, look, I mean, I think that there's still an opportunity in mm. there, but it, it's a high risk play because it's so volatile. It, it's, it could just about turn on its head. And the history doesn't tell you a lot because it's only ever been rising mm. strongly except for this small period here. So you've got not a lot to judge it. I was talking about a lot about these sorts of stocks yesterday mm. in my Australian market report because okay. I've had a few people email me about stocks that have just gone through the roof in the last and 12 So how months. do they get out? That becomes the real 
Is it? Is she doesn't Well, it? yeah, but it's, it's, they don't think about that. No. And because people think the stock's risen 100% like JB Hi-Fi. Mm. So, wow, JB Hi-Fi's done 100% last year. I'll jump in now because I'll get 100% because yeah. people think, well, it did that last year, so it's going to do that next year. And that's completely the wrong thinking. And AK may be asking because of how strong this stock's been up till mm. now in the last one to two years. It's been very strong. Mm. But what you're doing is you're in the previous returns are not indicative of how much it's going to do in the next year. It just gives you some information. But just because it made on 100% or 200% last year doesn't mean it's going to do that this year. And what actually happens is the longer it goes up in time and price, the more the probability it's going to come down heavily. And actually, bigger stocks, mm. you know, if you do the course, you'll find mm. that you can actually determine roughly where a stock's likely to run mm. to. And bigger stocks are far more predictable ah, in absolutely. terms of where they're likely to rise to than smaller stocks. And mm. that's a huge advantage in the market when you're trying to work out, well, okay, what's the best strategy to trade this particular share? Mm. But a stock like this, you have to be much more on, on your game um, to, to manage the downside. And I can imagine with some people starting out new, say they've made a bucket load of money on, on the stock and they're thinking, and the stock comes back 10%, are they going to care? Mm. At what point are they actually going to care that it's come back a bit? Yeah, correct. Yeah, and yeah, so it keeps correct. coming down and they think, oh, okay, it's going to go back up again because it's done it before. Mm. That's your point about, you know, it repeating the previous gains. But yes. It, but it, sometimes they don't. And they don't, yeah. Mm. And this is where people buy these stocks and we know that most people, the uneducated, buy at the tops mm. because they think, wow, it's going to do this, I'll jump in. And we saw that with ATML, we saw that with Bellamy's, we've seen that with so many different stocks over mm. the last couple of years, people getting in at that last 10 or 15% of the rise only for it to slow down and start to go south. And then they're asking, when's it going to get back up to where I paid for it? Mm. You know, and uh, you've you got to get them early. You don't get them linked. Mm -hmm. um, and right now, if you ask me, would I buy this? Probably the answer is no. I wouldn't buy into it now. Is it too late? Maybe. Is it maybe a good buy right now? But right, I would rather, there are so many more big, better picks. And that's exactly how we talk about it. if you want to reduce the time and make more money, you look for the better buys. Mm. And if you don't understand what's a better buy between five stocks, then you need to learn. Because okay. by not learning, you're going to get stuck in stocks that are going to go nowhere or take your dough. Mm. Um, yeah, because people mm. might just take it in, like we, we say buy bigger stocks. So mm. they might just think, okay, buy a bigger stocks like, um, like Amcor, for mm. instance, because Amcor is better than, say, I don't know, something that's outside the top 100. But that may not even be necessarily the case because it yeah. depends on where Amcor is trading at Correct. the time. Correct. Mm. So let's move on now. We've got one for Mike ALQ, which I think we've looked at a few different times, actually. But I'll see if I can find Mike's question in amongst all this. This looks really good at the moment. Look, it went through a really rough patch through this sideways move here. Um, through to past the middle of 2019. It actually looked like it was going down, but look at the strength of support across those bottoms there. And this is why it's really important to look at the big picture always when you're looking at shares and have a monthly view. But it's actually streamed higher and kept making um, you know, higher highs. Here we can see that high there in August 2018. It's kept going through it. So I think it actually looks really good at the moment. Although, like for any stock that goes up at some point, it's going to come back. Just remember to have a really solid trailing stop loss on on your share. Yeah, Jacob's also asking another question. Mm -hmm. Sorry, do you want me to talk about that? Yeah, you talk about this oh, one. Why? Didn't I've just you, mentioned the did you cover it well? potential training, trailing stock. Okay. Stop loss, sorry. It looks good to me. But your comment is always valued. I know it is, but I'm, you're in control. You've got the controller, so right, I need to on. listen to you, but <laughs> it looks good. <laughs> but Jacob's asked another question. He said, Westpac has, has announced a new chairman. Okay. Okay. Did you see this prior from a technical point of view because you have mentioned that it is ready for an upturn? All right. That's a really good question. I'm mm. glad you're thinking that way, Jacob. It is really nice you, way to you think. You want to answer this one then? Yeah, I, look. <laughs> you used to work for the company, didn't I you? used to work for the company <laughs> many many, many moons ago. I got rid of the tattoo a long time ago. Oh. Um, <laughs> when you work for the bank, they think they've locked you in for life. But um, really? it's interesting when you're looking at technical analysis, tells us what, uh, it, it tells us how the market is moving or the market's thought on that stock right now. Um, so it tells us to, it gives us insights into the psychology of what that stock's doing. Is it more favoured? Is it not favoured? It also helps us understand how it travels in time, price and pattern. What's its rhythm? What's its, um, uh, um, how do I say it? Personality. Yeah, what's its personality? It's a really good mm. word of it. And I know, like Janine and I, we've been working together for you know, the best part of 20 years. We've known each other well over 20 years, but 
it's like I know Janine what she's going to say and vice versa. Occasionally we shock each other, but that's just normal. Um, but we know pretty much how we're going to work together without talking about it. So that's really about stocks and that's how we, we look at stocks from a technical point of view. We look at what's their personality. So do they have lows every March and October? Or how do they work? When you're looking at technical analysis in terms of uh, us saying this thing looks good and we think it's going to go up, we like it more medium to longer term. What happens is, is eventually some fundamental news will come out to confirm what we thought. And the reason why that happens is because the big end of town have people in Westpac all the time. So all your big brokers, your big fund managers, uh, they have analysts in there researching and they pay them you know, six and seven figure incomes to actually know what Westpac's going to do. So they already have a good idea whether they're going to announce a new um, CEO. Whether the market knows about it or not, it's not really relevant, even though that's insider trading. But they would know what's going on. There's little um, um, things going around. Like you can't be in a business and not know and keep it really, really quiet. So, and it's happened so many times. I know years ago when BHP changed chairman, we were out of it weeks and weeks before mm. they changed their CEO. You know, and people mm. go, how did you know the CEO was going to resign? Well, we didn't. It's not it's relevant. Just, it's not relevant whether mm. they've announced a new CEO or, they, you know, or the CEO gets sacked or what's happening. What's relevant is the direction of the I mean, it's interesting stock. after the fact, isn't it? Yeah, but, but it's mm. constant. Constant our analysis will say something and then the fundamentals will come out any, any between, anywhere between days and months after analysis is already telling us something. So, for example, if, if BHP was going to make a bid on a stock to buy something, somebody would be out there buying that stock up and so we'd actually be seeing the action on the chart and I know tons of times we've seen um, what was the stock Vocus mm. that we were talking about last week I think it was and I was working with our students on that saying hey you know we knew we knew it was moving up we bought into it the students made a shed load of money over a couple of weeks because an announcement came out that somebody wanted to take over and bang up and then we got out mm. came down again then we bought in again and it went bang up again and then it came back down again yeah, so it was irrelevant mm. what the announcement was, wasn't it? Was it was irrelevant. Yeah, but you could tell roughly where it was going to go to. That's Correct. So mm. we had that plan, and that's where we're talking about is how you can make more money with less effort by that's understanding when, that. When some students say to me, oh, look, um, you know, do you think there's a particular mm. course that's going to be better suited to me? I mean, I'm the type of person that I want it all. Yeah. So I have to be careful because I have to yeah. ask the person, well, you know, what is it that you're really wanting to do? What's important to you? Mm. Because it's not about me. It's about you and what's important to you and where you're at with things. So, you know, and for some people, it may be that they do the short course. But I'm always thinking, oh, you don't want to miss out on modules four and five. That's just too much. Yeah, but getting people's thinking um, is, is, is people... A lot of people, when I when they start the course within mm. that first four weeks to eight weeks after starting their course, they will tell you that they always knew that they should be doing our course, but something inside them saying, you know, oh, don't do it, don't do it, and there's that fear of losing and the mm. fear of not doing it, and that's when you know that you're playing to not lose. Yeah. And you know, as the statistics showed, our students are getting phenomenal results, and they're getting what they're what they're asking for. So what's cheaper? Mm. Spending years spinning your wheels in the mud, being stressed, overwhelmed, and confused, hit and miss, all that sort of stuff, or trading with confidence, knowing that you're going to get it right most mm. of the time. You know, I was on chatting with Jim this morning for our US thing, and he goes, the first thing he said, he said, Dale, you're right on this, you're right on that, you're right on that, you're right on that. And he said, you know, he said, I was wrong on test on that. And he said, you know, it's gone mm. up phenomenally. And I said, mate, that's why I get paid the big bucks. Because mm. it's my job to know that sort of stuff, isn't it? Mm. And it's your job to know Did that. Did he buy so Tesla or not? No, he didn't. He was he was talking about shorting it. Oh, gosh. And there was all these shorts on Tesla last year and they all lost shed loads of money. Oh, yeah, that's right. But yeah. because they were blinded mm. by what they were hearing, not what mm. was actually happening on the chart. Yeah, they were still judging Elon yeah. Musk, weren't they? Yeah, they were judging mm. Elon Musk and that stopped them making money, but it cost, mm. caused them to lose lots of money. Let's okay. move on. Yes. Um, bring up, um, oh, that's ALQ, isn't it? We've got no Webjet. Let's look at AT Westpac. Milk. For we, d we didn't actually say anything about Westpac. Did you want to say We're anything? still not excited about it. No. So it's easy enough. <laughs> okay, thanks. <laughs> so let, let's look at, did we look at ALQ before? ALQ, yes. We did. So let's look at A2 Milk for, sorry, I can't even say your name. But you know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> well done for picking this one to look at. It's a really interesting stock, actually. 
Now, as I was saying before, when a stock has a reversal like this and it stops in its tracks, sometimes it can be a good opportunity to look to buy it on rules. And other times it can just be an early warning of a potential further slide in the share price. Now, at the moment, we don't know for certain which way A2 milk is going to go because, you know, it's tried to push up higher and it's really slowed and stalled. Last week it looked really strong, nice little breakout out of here. And then this week it's dropped down again. So, you know, with this stock, it, it can be a risky stock. But if you know what you're risking, that's the other thing. Um, you've got to decide whether it's acceptable. So, I mean, as an example, right now, if people purchased it last week, and they, they were looking at where the risk increases, I'd say, uh, you know, somewhere around 11% downside, the risk significantly increases if you are holding it beyond that. So that's really how you've got to think, where's my risk and what is it at the moment and where would I get out? And right now, um, I personally wouldn't be purchasing this just yet, um, looking at the way that it's unfolded. But if it keeps going up this week and continues that move, then I think it could you know, very well be pushing through to the all-time high. The risk is when you've got a stock that's trading near all-time highs that they, they can often turn and, re and burn um, right near the all-time high. So that's something just to bear in mind with a stock like this. But at the moment, it looks good, um, you know, short term. But confirmation again, I mean, I was just looking at the daily chart just to see the huge mm. gap down here, which may or may not fill. This one down here hasn't filled so that's what I'm really looking at in the short term. But it does. It looks good because it didn't mm. fall de too deeply off that more recent high a couple yeah. of months ago from early December. Look, it could have just been all the hoo-ha mm. that was going on yeah, with, um, with A2 Milk and what was happening with Bellamy's as well. Mm. So, yeah, mm. just wait and see what happens with A2 Milk. But yeah, good pick at the moment. So let's look at one for Lisa. It's BSL. Now, Lisa bought BSL on the 10th of December last year. So let's have a bit of a look at that. Okay, Blue Scope Steel um, can be a very volatile stock, it actually. Is. And when it gets on a trend, it goes really nicely. But, but it has lots of sideways activity. So what's been happening here is really a, a repeat of a similar shape of what's un unfolded in the past. Now, we could be seeing it move up to a new high, but I'm not convinced just yet. And, and now it's actually broken the run by just taking out this low in January. So... If you're not in it, then I wouldn't be buying it right now. But if you're already in it, then I would still be um, just watching it closely and having mm. a good trailing stop on it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I do. I almost bought it a few months ago, actually, for myself. But um, I just held off a little bit. Now I look like that and I go, wow, I should have bought it in a couple of months ago, shouldn't I? <laughs> There's just so many stocks to buy a couple of months yeah. ago. And it's like, well, do I buy this one? Do I buy that one? Mm. And that's really where, you know, it's you, you take the guesswork out of it. Well, you wouldn't have actually, if you bought it mm. a couple of months ago, you probably wouldn't have made much on it's what you're thinking no. now. Yeah. So to me, it was mm. about weighing off well, what kind of possible profit am I going to make on whichever stock I was looking at? What yeah. was my downside risk on all of those as well? And weighing that up. And that's what most people don't mm. get with their portfolios is they go, oh, John Smith at work's talking about this stock. Oh, just buy that stock. Or mm. that's what Peter was saying on his email. Was it Peter, wasn't it? Yeah, I uh, was saying on his email. And, and so that's how most people do. They guess at their trading. Yeah. They guess at their portfolio, whereas you and me don't ever guess. Mm. It's when we, we go into a trade. We and justify we, the trade. Yeah, mm. we have a, a very high probability of getting it right. And if mm. we get it wrong, we have a strategy of making sure we don't lose money. Um, and well, looking this at this one, if, if he's bought this, and I, did he say, did the person say when they bought it or not? Uh, yeah, tenth of, of December. Tenth of December. So it was about here. Um, yeah, somewhere. So around. I mean, it was in a nice move, nice trend mm. up. So you would be probably line ball at the moment, mm. but it's it's not the end of the world because it hasn't actually traded away, and stocks have to come down mm. before they can go up again. Um, mm. But I'd just be watching this one quite closely and have a, a stop loss set at a level that you're really comfortable with. So just before we, we finish up, I wanted mm. to have a, a tiny little bit of chat about the market because obviously when I recorded my Aussie market report, it was before the US market opened. Okay. Okay. And the US market's dropped 1.4% yay mm -hmm. on Monday and ours has dropped today. Expect volatility. Now, in my market report, what I was saying in the last couple of weeks is I thought we'd have maybe one possibly two more weeks up before we go down into mid-February. Okay. Now we've seen the move down today. It's happening earlier. And I did explain that, um, I believe, yesterday, if the market has its high uh, last week or whether, and then it starts to come down or whether it's having its high in another week or so, how I thought about that. But what I'm saying at the moment is expect a lot more volatility in our market for the next two, probably three, maybe four weeks, expect some drops, expect some rises because US is in reporting season as well mm -hmm. through to about mid-February and 
the, the big end of town love moving the market around in, in reporting season based on all sorts of announcements. Oh, the coronavirus is happening. Oh, let's mm. push the market away. And what they're trying to do is get you to be emotional. So don't play the game. And the best way to make more money on the market is don't play the game that everybody else plays because the statistics are that 90% of traders don't make money because they follow what everybody else is doing. So are you saying that people should just hold off in making any decisions for the any next three big decisions. Weeks? I mean, we're not buying at the moment. We discussed yeah. it last week in our meeting, pull back on everything mm. that we're doing, sit tight, wait. Mm. Um, and we were, we've been talking about that for a couple of weeks when mm. we'd actually do it. And we did that last week. We chose not to buy stocks last week for clients thinking the peak's happening. Um, and so we'll probably come back and buy, probably by this time in February, same probably near the end of February, we'll be back buying again. But right now, just be careful with your portfolio. Don't act emotionally because then that, then you are trading to not lose. So it's about having a solid strategy about when you're getting in, why you're getting in, how you're getting in, how you're managing that portfolio, protecting your downside. So if you've got good stocks, they'll ride this little blip out over the next month and then you'll be fine after that. I still think the market is bullish. Um, through to this year, but uh, just don't buy into the BS of the market and the media. It yeah, really look, will the interesting thing is that with any, with your portfolio, if mm. you really observe it, what happens each quarter, you'll notice that most mm. of your money will be made in one or two quarters of the mm. year. Mm. And there are times when the volatility can wipe out profit, but then in the next quarter it comes back again. Mm. That's just the way of the market. So that's where the rules mm. are really important in being able to trust those rules and use them. Mm. Listen to her. Yeah. She's got control. <laughs> Okay then. Well, look, I think we better move on now. It's um, unfortunately the end of the show. I'd like to I talk know. about hit more stuff. Hit the like button. Hit the going? subscribe button. <laughs> okay. That we hope you've enjoyed tonight's show, and thank you for participating, all of you who have done that. <laughs> if you'd like to see the show continue to grow, then remember, make sure you share it on your show's social media. I can't say that word. I haven't even had a corona yet. Social media with your friends and colleagues. Remember to make sure that you put this show into your calendar as we'll be back right here on YouTube Live every Tuesday, 7 to 8 p.m. And remember, we're always happy to receive your questions. So like you had people earlier that a little bit, I know you were testing me <laughs> all the time. Info at wealthwithin.com.au and just type wealth within live in the subject line. Please also tell us why you want it, if you bought it, when you bought it, how you bought it, all those sorts of things. The more yeah. you give us, the we better. We want to know. We want well, to that know. brings us to the end of the show again. We really hope everybody enjoyed it as much as we have. I did. As always, thank you for joining us and we hope to see you again next week. For now, goodbye, good luck and good trading. Take care, guys. Bye for now. Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Wealth Within, a global leader in stock market education. For more information on our courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre.